Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I'm Laura. And I'm Andy. Welcome back, Andy. Andy is here once again for part two of our discussion on the most shocking Harry Potter news events to date. And be sure to check out part one because we are going in chronological order. So if you haven't listened to that yet, you should probably pause this episode and listen to that. We had a lot of fun discussing some of the earlier years. And now we're going to get a little closer to present day. Um, So we're just going to jump right into things. We're going to start with April 2012. This story, I still can't believe we don't know what happened. J.K. Rowling, apparently unintentionally, announced that she was working on a Harry Potter encyclopedia on her official website. After this was reported on by fan sites, after we caught this, they took it down. What had happened, as far as we know, is that Rowling had launched a new website, and it seemed to be timed around the forthcoming launch of her first post-Potter book, The Casual Vacancy. And, and she had this FAQ section. And Micah, my memories of this event involve you because I remember being in Disney World at the time with my family. And I think you, now this is, this is back in the day where I was so addicted to writing the news on MuggleNet and Hypable that I would bring my laptop everywhere I went. And that included Disney World. <laughs> so I remember Micah, I think you texted me, texted me about this. I don't know. Did you hear about this from like a fan or do you remember how you no, first heard so about this? I was on her website and I came across the blurb that we have here where it said for a long time, it was in our FAQ section and it said for a long time, I've been promising an encyclopedia of Harry's world and I've started work on this now. Some of it forms the new content in Pottermore It is likely to be a time-consuming job, but when finished, I shall donate all royalties to charity. Now, I can't remember if this was part of the FAQ that came over from her old site, but- I don't think so. And maybe it was something that accidentally got published with the new site that they didn't didn't want it released at that time because they didn't know whether or not it was going to actually happen. But not long after we published the initial story, they took it down. And they replaced it. Micah discovered this before anybody in the world. Micah was just doing his daily browsing of jkrolling.com. It's his (laughs) homepage, maybe. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I remember whipping out my laptop in uh, Disney World. I didn't interrupt anybody uh, doing anything (laughs) private this time because I was just in Epcot where everybody else was hanging out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember writing this up and I remember tweeting. I was like, I can't believe the fans. How did we discover this before anybody else? So yeah, this was so interesting because the way this is written, it definitely seems like she was working on a physical encyclopedia. She said that she would donate royalties to charity. She said some of the work would be going to Pottermore. Of course, it's now been nine years. We haven't seen it. She updated her site after the fan sites reported on it. She wrote... I have been enjoying sharing information about Harry's world on Pottermore for free and Uh, don't have any firm plans to publish it in book form. uh, She did say firm. Somebody at Sony was pissed (laughs) because that undercuts the value of Pottermore 100%. When she says, I have plans for an encyclopedia, some of it will appear on Pottermore, but the rest and most of it's going to be in a book form. Sony. Could not stand that. Guaranteed. 
I think you're right. We talked about this on episode 252 of MuggleCast, but what what I found so shocking about it, I, I, like Andrew said, like nobody had reported on it, and this was really the first definitive response we had ever gotten about the encyclopedia actually being written. Like she had yeah. always talked about it, maybe I'll do it. This statement pretty much said that she was working on it and I don't think she wanted it out there, <laughs> clearly. Do you think yeah. maybe she'd been working on it around the time of the HP Lexicon lawsuit and maybe that whole experience left a bitter taste in her mouth and she walked away from it? Maybe. Andy, what do you what do you think? Yeah. We've I, kind of all shared our theories over time. Yeah, I think I mean, for me, the encyclopedia was the one kind of definitive thing I wanted post book seven. But I think also with the kind of the FAQ section, like I wonder if some of that copy had existed for some time in some hybrid state in some old iteration of her website or something. And that was kind of ported over by content or marketing people. And like, I wonder if that was ever meant for public consumption in the year 2012. Yeah. I mean, she mentions Pottermore, which was only announced the year prior, like eight months prior. So it was pretty recent copy. Well, she mentioned Pottermore in, in, in the new statement, not in the old one, right? No, well, didn't she say some she of said it? She some of it forms. On, oh, will yeah. be going on Pottermore. Yeah. Come on, Micah, you so, were the first person on the planet to see that. So that I was remember, written- I remember nine years ago. <laughs> so it was definitely written between uh, June 2011 and April 12th. Uh, when it was announced uh, so my my stance on the harry potter encyclopedia has evolved over time of course like like andy and everybody else i wanted it really badly then when pottermore came into existence and there were still no updates on an encyclopedia a physical one i came to accept that an encyclopedia was never going to happen now though when you look at everything that's going on in the fandom with how many times over they are re-releasing the books with new covers. We already have two illustrated edition series in the works, currently in the works. We have the flagship store. We have, we just found out there's going to be a photo exhibition uh, in London this fall. We have Mm. the theme parks. We have probably more flagship stores coming. (laughs) They are regurgitating the same Harry Potter stuff over and over and over again to the point where we just can't really get super excited about these things because it's just all being repurposed to sell again. I feel like they have to be clamoring, maybe not rolling, but the people around her have to be clamoring for her to actually put out an encyclopedia because that would be a a brand new thing that a lot of people would be very excited about. And then they can release that in 30 different versions and add more to it later and re-release it again. So I just feel like It will happen now because and also, Eric, we were talking about this during our Slug Club hangout on Patreon the other day. They've taken existing movie companion books and split those up into Uh, 13 different books. mm -hmm. They're so hungry for some new stuff. And meanwhile, we're not getting anything new from Fantastic Beasts. We don't know how many movies. I hope it runs through movie five, but there have been rumors that it'll only be three movies because it hasn't been going too well. It just feels more inevitable than it did a few years ago. Yeah. Well, and and you don't have to really worry about any controversy for those who want to not necessarily give money to J.K. Rowling right now because the proceeds will go to charity. 
Well, if that stays true. Yeah. Because they took they took this announcement down and that took down her promise, right? I feel like it would still stay true. I, think I mean, it we still saw would. with with the Ichabog, the proceeds went to charity. Though some people still don't want to support JK Rowling because it would still contribute to her power, so to speak, to to her influence. Yeah. Her name would still be attached to those sales, even if she's not getting a cut of them. I was going to suggest that if the HP encyclopedia were to come out today, it would be one of the most universally hated books to come out. It would have been like, oh, J.K. Rowling. It could be. Uh, hmm. I don't think it would be. I still think yeah. millions of copies would sell. Yeah. A lot of people would be excited, but the people who have been critical of, of J.K. Rowling in the past year would be less excited. Well, it's almost it's- like what's the relevance to... Um, I'm yeah. perfectly fine with her continuing to create canon via the Fantastic Beasts films, which I think are an engaging story that's very unique and interesting. I don't know that I necessarily need her definitive word on how many time turners there were in book five versus how many there aren't anymore. Like, I don't, I would have needed to know that, like, needed in 2011, 2012. I don't care anymore about that factor or what a blast ended Scrooge's actual usefulness might be. Like it doesn't, it's not relevant to me as a fan. It's not relevant to the fandom or the fans. And I don't know therefore that encyclopedia should exist. I was going to say that as well, like JK Rowling's whole thing since she joined Twitter in the early days was kind of drip feeding retcon and new bits of canon and, like I wonder if the fact that that was received generally poorly and in the media, like it was like a lot of that stuff was received quite comically. And I wonder if that kind of dampened the enthusiasm for publishing an entire volume of this sort of stuff that presumably would be filled with bits of retcon and other things that we'll, we'll, we would dig up and talk about and yeah, modify the universe. And I feel like too, there are so many really decent guides that are fan made out there right now like obviously this is plugging the last couple of books that MuggleNet has come out with but it does make you wonder do we actually need an encyclopedia from the author anymore would it serve a purpose that the fan created guides are not and I would argue no honestly a book like that could never say, this is how Scrooots work. But it could say, here's historically in mythology how right. these types of creatures worked that J.K. Rowling more than likely drew from. And so we can reasonably ascertain how they work in the Harry Potter based on all this other stuff. That's as good or better than Rowling's own definitive word on it. It's so easy to pull up facts about Harry Potter on Google. Like right now, I just Googled Hermione Granger. What's the number one result? Not WizardingWorld.com, HarryPotter.Fandom.com, a fan-made Harry Potter wiki. I bet that eats WizardingWorld.com alive. I bet they hate that. <laughs> it, it might. And honestly, when, when we were doing chapter by chapter and when we prepare for these other discussions we're doing on the show, I Google characters. I Google questions. There's always an answer on Quora, uh, that Q&A website. Like, I look everywhere but WizardingWorld.com yep. as my primary source. And Fandom.com sources all of their information. So you can trust it unless it's not sourced. By the way, like I said, I searched Hermione Granger. And so that Fandom link comes up, Fandom.com link. But then there's a people also ask question. And the number one question is, how did Hermione Granger die? Uh... <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> old age. <laughs> question two, is Draco in love with Hermione? <laughs> See, that harkens question. back to our fan fiction episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also, when I'm researching for the show, I have the books in PDF form. I just straight up search the PDF <laughs> yeah. for keywords. Yeah, I, I guess maybe there's just something about having it all in book form. I think we're all book nerds. And so being able to have that tangible physical book to go to, but to your point, Laura, right? Like I'm sitting here looking at my desk and I have the unofficial Harry Potter character compendium from MuggleNet. Do you need anything more? Like I'm assuming all of the background information that she wrote on Pottermore is included in there. So I feel like unless you're getting something new with that encyclopedia at this point, it's kind of irrelevant. Agreed. It would be a beautiful book. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would treat it as a Bible. It would sell very well, like you said, Micah. Yeah, it's such a weird thing to be like, for a lot of fans, it probably would be irrelevant, but it would still sell very well. <laughs> so yeah, weird. Yeah, because we are in a bubble mm-hmm. where, you know, outside of the bubble, there are lots of people who don't care what J.K. Rowling said last year, who are diehard Harry Potter fans, who maybe didn't even notice what J.K. Rowling said last year because it was on Twitter. I mean, she wrote it on her site too, but people don't pay as close attention as as we do. So for that reason, in part, it would still sell very well. Anyway, so Micah, this one actually involves Rowling, but not the Harry Potter books exactly. Not exactly. So this is the big Robert Galbraith reveal, J.K. Rowling is actually Robert Galbraith. Robert Galbraith is actually J.K. Rowling. Little Ace Ventura there. Uh, episode 267. Finkel uh, and Einhorn. Finkel <laughs> and Einhorn. What's going on? J.K. Rowling decided to try and publish a book under the pseudonym Robert Galbraith. And she didn't want all the hype and expectation that would have come from her publishing uh, another book. And, and we did mention the casual vacancy. We should say that that was published prior to this. And that was met with sorry that was met with some mixed reviews, um, just because of the the nature of of what happened in that book, and it was so such a stark contrast to Harry Potter. Um, but this was a detective series, and and I think a good one that a lot of people enjoyed. Um, and she also said that she wanted the pure pleasure to get feedback under a different name. So do we remember when this all kind of broke and, and it was kind of, what was it, like a lawyer had yeah. leaked the information? It wasn't, yeah, it was the lawyer's wife. It was broken. The story was broken by the Sunday Times in July 2013. They had discovered the real author after it had been leaked to them by the friends of the wife of a lawyer at Russell's solicitors who worked for J.K. Rowling. And it was shocking. I know this isn't Harry Potter related, but to me, this was one one of the most shocking events in the fandom because there had been a book that J.K. Rowling had published that had been sitting on bookstore shelves for months and we didn't out. know. It yes, was we out. Could just go, it was we ready. Could go, we could drive to the, which is what we all did, yeah. just drive to the local bookstore and get it. That's what was so shocking about it. 
I went to the Barnes and Noble at the Grove in LA. I grabbed two copies. I was expecting almost like a stampede of people going to the same <laughs> area that I was. Gotta get the book. Ah. We were on like a phone chain or something. We were all calling each other that day. Yeah, it was very exciting. And I think another reason it was so exciting is because it was a crime novel. It was kind of closer to Harry Potter, still for adults, but closer. It wasn't this political tale like the casual vacancy was. And we were all, well, not all. Some of us were very bored by the casual vacancy and gave up. Others, Micah finished. I know when this was announced, and I know we discussed it on 267 of MuggleCast, but the question that I had then and still have now is, when would it have been announced? If the Sunday Times hadn't leaked it, um, because the other shocking component, not that a book has already been out that's written by J.K. Rowling, but the shocking part is that Rowling didn't announce it herself. So when would she have told us? How many years of sales that are less than what they could be would she have wanted to get a sample size before it was told? I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist and say that that leak was intentional. No, no I'll right. tell you why. Because <laughs> she sued Russell's solicitors, I think, or she sued somebody who was a part of the leak. And then she donated those proceeds to a military charity, I believe. She did mm-hmm. say, to answer Eric's question, that she wanted to stay, she wanted to keep this under wraps for a few more months. A few more months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it would have been interesting to see how she revealed it herself. Maybe she just would have posted something. You would think that they would have printed more copies in advance of her announcement because they would know it would sell. That's yeah. That's why I think it's not planned. Yeah. Is because there really weren't that many per bookstore until like the next week. <laughs> Andy, do you remember? Did um. Was this available, readily available when the leak it was, was I revealed? Think, like it had, it had even made its way to Australian bookstores. But I can also like distinctly remember a lot of hysteria back then about people trying to work out if other books had been published under different pseudonyms. Yeah, and combing like new release books from the last six months, trying to work out if there was anything else here that had possibly been written by Rowling. Um... There still could be right now. But I was very happy to grab two copies of this book without Rowling's name in it once it. Went through a, another printing. They added her name inside the book on that uh, front flap on the inside. Yeah, I gave one of those copies away. I wish I didn't. I mean, I gave it to a friend, but I still have one, and I'm I I I love it from a collector's standpoint. Maybe I'll steal the book back from my friend. I don't know. I was gonna Watch say, how space. close is this friend? Like close, pretty close. Yeah, actually, like- be pretty mean. Oh, yeah, it's Micah. I wish <laughs> you wouldn't. But get that's it why back. I ran out so quick because I wanted a copy without no, her name smart. in it. Yeah, it's smart that you did that. All right, so back to Harry Potter, September 2013, Fantastic Beasts, the Man. film series was announced. So, of course, this played into the uh, history of MuggleCast as well because we had just announced that we were shutting down the pod. It's time to move on. <laughs> Harry Potter's over. We're done. And then a week later, maybe two weeks later, J.K. Rowling and Warner Brothers announced Fantastic Beasts. And not just one movie. They announced three movies. We originally discussed this on our return episode, I guess you can call it, our reunion, our our re-grand opening, I don't know, on episode 270. This was also a big deal because J.K. Rowling was announced as the screenwriter. She hadn't written the movie before. Another reason this was such a big deal is because we were getting a significant expansion of canon 
for the first time since the Harry Potter books. You know, we got some extra little things from Pottermore and J.K. Rowling's Twitter. Well, maybe not even J.K. Rowling's Twitter back in 2013. This was like, we're going back in. And I wanted to read some of Rowling's statement at the time because it's interesting to look back on. Quote, it all started when WB came to me with the suggestion of turning Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them into a film. I thought it was a fun idea, but the idea of seeing Newt, the supposed author of Fantastic Beasts, realized by another writer was difficult. Having lived for so long in my fictional universe, I feel very protective of it, and I already knew a lot about Newt. As I considered Warner's proposal, an idea took shape that I couldn't dislodge. That is how I ended up pitching my own idea. Although it will be set in the worldwide community of Witches and Wizards, where I was so happy for 17 years, Fantastic Beasts is neither a prequel nor a sequel to the Harry Potter series, but an extension of the Wizarding World. I always said that I would only revisit the Wizarding World if I had an idea that I was really excited about, and this is it. What I like this other component of, she felt protective of the story, right? And she wouldn't have done this if she wasn't excited about it. I know that those words still like make me tremble a little bit of like, she's like the author has like a cool idea that we're all going to like. And that was all I was sold. Yeah. By just that. Yeah. And given yeah. they proposed it to JK, do you think they had workshopped other ideas? Like what, what was it about Newt's story? That was the one that they took to Joe. That's a good question. I think it's because they only had the filming rights to the uh, comic relief books too. So unless they wanted to start rebooting, which at that point, reboots were kind of becoming a thing of different properties the what what they already had without having to spend more money was the rights to quidditch through the ages which i want to see that film and uh fantastic beasts it was a starting point that they didn't necessarily need rolling on yeah yeah. but it also tells you where their head was at one day we might see them try to adapt quidditch through the ages yeah maybe i i have to be honest I was incredibly skeptical about this when I first heard about it. I remember my thought. You're not being, still. Oh no, I am. <laughs> but you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to hold on to that until we get to the next announcement that comes with this franchise. Um, but I was like, "Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them" is like 42 pages long, <laughs> and they're going to turn this into three movies. I feel it's like. To get back to Andy's question, I think you asked this, Andy. I think one of their original ideas was to do a kind of documentary focused on the beasts. Well, I feel like that may have been said by somebody at Warner Brothers at some point. Yeah, I might be wrong. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense. They could do some sort of like documentary style movie. About- it certainly wouldn't have been like the 1920s set American no. pre-Grindelwald rise kind of thing that it became right following newton dumbledore's relationship and all of that yeah i think it's i think it's honestly cool as hell like the first fantastic beasts for as skeptical as we may have been i think we can all agree the first fantastic beast film is like really good and maybe one of the best harry potter movies yeah it's a great story so that was the thing i was pleasantly surprised when i went and saw the first one because again i was incredibly skeptical And I came out of that movie being like, oh, my God, like J.K. Rowling should have been the screenwriter the whole time (laughs) because I thought it was just so good. And then we know what happened after that. With Crimes of Grindelwald being just an absolute mess. They are trying to fix it for three. We'll see what happens. 
But remember, another shocking event was when in the fall of 2016, right before Fantastic Beast 1 was uh, going to be released, Rowling announced at an event, I believe in New York, that uh, <laughs> Eric's highlighting was giving me vertigo. Uh, uh, Rowling announced at an event in New York City that it was actually going to be a five-part film series. And she had said at the time that the three-part idea was just a placeholder until she figured it out. I was shocked. I was very pleasantly surprised as well because it's like, holy crap, now we have several more years of new Fantastic Beasts slash Wizarding World movies ahead of us. Like that bought us more time. That bought MuggleCast more time, you know, in yeah. a way. and the fan sites and all that. So I was very excited by that idea. Yeah, but it feels preemptive to me. Like, you know, with the Harry it, Potter yeah. movies, we have eight of them and they were all slated, but we also had seven books to draw from. Like, I feel like announcing five films for, as Laura mentioned, like a very small piece of source material, like that could go really wrong. Like, how do you adapt that and stretch that over five films? And how do you, how do you assume that that's going to be, you know, as engaging a series? Like, it's going to make money regardless, but. I guess it spoke to WB's confidence in Fantastic Beast 1 at the time when Rowling had announced that we hadn't seen the movie yet, but Warner Brothers had. So they must yeah. have been feeling good about it. And I presume Rowling pitched them on how this could be a five-part series. And they were like, good, money. Yeah, I mean, I can see, again, if, if J.K. Rowling says, hey, I, I have a, a great idea that's going to be, I think about three movies, okay, great, wow, you know, dollar signs. Then she comes back a couple, hey, guys, you know that uh, three-film series I'm working on, actually? There's enough story for five. Like, yeah, but- you know, when the author tells you that the story can fill five movies, you're just like, blown away money tongue emoji i always yep. felt though that expanding it to five was because she had five locations she knew she wanted to take the story to right it was about world expansion we start in new york we go to paris presumably now we're going to rio and we need to probably end you know in in germany or you know i don't know where four would take you but you know just yeah. with knowing the historical timeline that this is keeping with, that seems to be the direction that this is going in. And that's probably why she felt that she could go to five. I don't, and I think she knew the start, probably she knew the end and now it's just filling in the gaps in between. Agree that mm-hmm. the last movie wasn't the best, but I also wonder like how much other folks were weighing in and a lot of the decision-making and, but again, like I know we've talked about this a lot. Like you have true and tested veterans working on these movies that spent all time on all eight Potter films, right? With David Heyman, um, obviously David Yates was there for half of the films. Like Steve Clovis is going to be coming back now for the third movie. So too big to fail. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we thought. I wore my Jacob shirt in celebration of. I oh, mentioned, meant to mention that Kowalski's Breakery. We still argue it's not a prequel. Rowling was very adamant about this. It's a prequel, definitely a prequel. Yeah, yeah. Dumbledore. Uh, I mean, yeah, like yeah. Enough said. Grindelwald. Yeah, and there's yeah. going to be more. There's going to be more Hogwarts. There's going to be more Dumbledore. Oh, they're so leaning into like Hogwarts before the Hogwarts before Harry was there. You know. Yeah, and I just don't see how we don't get some kind of 
exposition surrounding Tom Riddle's years at Hogwarts and opening the Chamber of Secrets. I just don't see how no. that doesn't happen in these Hagrid movies. getting ex- expelled. It, it all is happening during that time period. Right. Once you tie in Voldemort in some way, I feel like those were Dumbledore less so, but it it's connected. The connection is made. And like our heads are all in the Harry Potter world. But if you take a step back from that, like certainly friends that I had that weren't as invested in Harry Potter, but were still interested, that scene, particularly in Crimes of Winterworld, when you get like the huge blast of Hedwig's theme and they go into the castle, like that was the appeal for a lot of my kind of like semi Potter interested friends. So they'd, mm-hmm. they'd be silly not to run with that. I've yeah. said this before. I will say it again. Fantastic Beasts 3 will have Hogwarts in the title. It will have Hogwarts in the title or something else very recognizable from the Harry Explosion Potter series. Explosion at Hogwarts. <laughs> I swear, if Hogwarts is in the title, you all owe me something. I know we didn't make a bet, but still, <laughs> you owe me something. It's just, it, still, it has to be. I'm still going with The Rise of the Phoenix. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. The Rise of the Phoenix at Hogwarts. That's what they'll call it. <laughs> I still, I think my theory was that Dumbledore will be in the title somehow. Fantastic Beast 3, Dumbledore, Hogwarts, Phoenix, <laughs> come see this movie, please. I think to that point, Laura, there was an interview with Jude Law a couple of years ago where he had gleefully said that J.K. Rowling had shared the title with him, which made me kind of think that I wonder if there's a Dumbledore thing in the title. Mm. Well, and we'll see if whatever that title was sticks, because I think it probably comes down to Warner Brothers in their marketing. Dumbledore does Rio. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> party because for carnival all right so we wanted to touch on some big casting developments here so johnny depp his casting was confirmed just a couple weeks before the movie hit theaters in november 2016 that was shocking because they kept it a secret for a while that was pretty impressive humble brag from me hypable was the first to confirm he was playing grindelwald remember we saw a trailer uh fantastic beast trailer and we saw the back of grindelwald's head and I think maybe around then was when we were like, is that Johnny Depp? And then I knew somebody who was working on the special effects at the film of the film at the time. And he he slid into my DMs and told me that it was indeed Johnny Depp. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was that was cool to have that little scoop. And then, of course, he got fired last November in light of the ongoing court battle with his ex-wife, wife Amber Heard, who has made allegations against him and... Uh, He's also made allegations against her. It's a huge mess. Warner Brothers was just tired of it. Remember, too, and you can call this shocking, Rowling had come out in support, strong support of Depp, a couple years ago uh, when all when the court battle was going down. Yeah. And well, not, not just her. I think David Yates yeah. did as well. But Rowling had a whole statement on her site saying, I'm so confident. I'm overjoyed. Depp is in it. Based on what I know, everything's cool. Right. It was one of those, you don't know what I know. Yes. Situations. Yeah. And I'll yeah. say this. I, I I do think that COVID allowed Warner Brothers the opportunity to get rid of Depp just from a, a timing standpoint and, and certainly all the delays around filming of which COVID obviously had an impact on the most recent one. But I feel like they used it as, as an opportunity. It's clear he also didn't film a ton of scenes given that Mads Mikkelsen was able to film pretty quickly. And and we learned that filming had wrapped not long after um, they announced that he was going to be taking Johnny Depp's place. So I think that lends to the question of how much 
of Grindelwald is in this third movie. I am excited to see Mads Mikkelsen give the role a turn. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, after the first Fantastic Beast came out, I was just thrilled by Colin Farrell's performance. I wanted him for proper Grindelwald. I, I wouldn't I mind know, if they too. come back for him. Yeah, it's just this Johnny Depp thing so close to the release of the film felt unnecessary. It's just like, but Colin Farrell just did an amazing job. So I don't know. Yeah, I have faith in Mads Mikkelsen. Like I'm kind of thinking he'll kind of, his villain in Doctor Strange is pretty incredible. Like I'm thinking we'll get something mm-hmm. along those kind of lines. Yeah. Well, speaking of casting, Dumbledore, Jude Law. We learned of his casting in August 2017. Between this and the Grindelwald inclusion in Fantastic Beast 1, it became increasingly clear that this film series might be actually leading to the first Wizarding War. And then, of course, we saw Crimes of Grindelwald, and that is definitely where it is going. Very exciting to see Dumbledore involved in this series, especially played by somebody like Jude Law. Yeah, from The Holiday. That Kate Winslet and Jack Black film. (laughs) Classic, iconic movie. Laura, have you seen it yet? No. Andy, have you? I still haven't. I feel like I shouldn't be allowed on this show, actually. Yeah, we did a commentary of it. like on Yeah, y'all reference it so much. Is someone a film composer or something in The Holiday? Jack Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Black's character. Hey, I have seen it, yeah. Great role for him. Oh, such a good movie. We have a commentary on our Patreon. It was was cool. It was very, because Jude Law is a very attractive man. And it was exciting to get a younger, because Dumbledore is such a divisive character, um, but also so like well-realized in his older age. It's exciting to then see kind of a deconstruction of that character. What was he like when he was younger? It's just that is really highly appealing to me still. And I think Jude Law, you know, say a lot of things about, uh, a lot of things can be said about Crimes of Grindelwald, the film, but there's nothing wrong with Jude Law in that film. It's no. a really good performance. No, not at all. I thought his portrayal was super on point. And more to come there. Next story up in January of 2016, J.K. Rowling revealed revealed four additional Wizarding World schools, of which Ilvermorny was one. So finally, us Americans were able to uh, sort ourselves into Wizarding World houses. Now- the other three schools, and uh, hopefully I do a good enough job here. I'm gonna have Laura grade me at the end. Um, the first one, other in order, the Brazilian Wizarding School, uh, Castelo Bruxo. Well, I don't speak Portuguese, so I don't feel. Uh, I, the phonetics were available on the website, and I think you nailed it. Yeah, it's it sounded good to me. I remember it's it's spelled like Bruxo or Bruxo, but it's Bruxo is how you spell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or how you say it. And presumably could play a role in the next Fantastic Beast movie if we are still headed to Rio de Janeiro. Right. Uh, the Japanese Wizarding School, Mahutokoro. And then the African School, Wagadu. This announcement seemed to be tied to the Fantastic Beast series since the film was to be, the first one was to be set uh, in New York. We obviously get the Ilvermorny reference from Tina and Queenie in the movies. But as I said at the top, the the big thing here was that we were finally able to be sorted um, and that there was an American wizarding school. Um, I think, you know, it's something that we had all been clamoring for, for, you know, years, right? Yeah. Fair to say. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about this was that at the time, I had forgotten until I looked at this article, Wizarding World 
Facebook.com tease an additional seven schools would be revealed mm. in the months ahead. We never heard about additional schools. Yeah, we need one for Andy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what's if you go back yeah. and look at my Twitter timeline, it's just me bombarding JK asking if we can have the name of the Aussie school. It never happened. <laughs> it's Movie World. That's the school. Did you sort yourself? <laughs> you were sorted I'm into in Matrix. House Matrix. House. Yeah. <laughs> Did you take the Overmorning quiz? Yeah, I I was a Thunderbird, but I'm not sure I felt any particular loyalty to any of them. But I can imagine for American listeners and viewers, like that would be pretty incredible to have Harry Potter in your own backyard. Yeah, that's why it was so exciting. I thought, mm-hmm. of course, America has a huge Harry Potter audience, so uh, maybe the biggest in the world. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think these other schools were never unveiled because per- with like particularly with regard to her history and background of the American wizarding world, there was a lot of backlash and it kind of went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And maybe they decided, you know what, we're not going to try and co-opt other people's cultures further. Yep. That was going on with the Ilvermorny houses. There was also copyright infringement. I mean, they straight up lifted these house symbols from other people's art. And they they copped to it and they redid the artwork just enough. Still sort of similar. But yeah, I think it was kind of a big mess, Laura, and maybe they just decided it's best to not talk about these other schools, or at least don't go into as much detail. Maybe with these next one, two, or three Fantastic Beast movies, we will learn more about another school, but we won't get the amount of detail that we are, that we did with Ilvermorny. Or if we do, they're going to run everything by anybody they can to make sure they don't get in trouble again. Well, I think it was a big deal is like J.K. Rowling's not somebody that's known for not doing her research, but it really seemed like, you know, there were prominent leaders in the Native American community that came out and said, like, we would have happily talked with you. You didn't ask us. And so this whole story came across as being very cultural appropriation, and it seemed maybe rushed, and it seemed not nearly as well-researched or careful as we know rolling to be. Um, And that was a nightmare kind of, because I I think it definitely set her off on not doing that anymore. Yep. I, I agree. Um, But we did discuss this on episode 288 of muggle cast and episodes beyond that. I'm sure. But I think we all did the sorting on that, that particular episode, which is now no longer available. Yeah. Yeah, but the there is an article on nativesinamerica.com called Dear JK Rowling, We're Still Here. And I think it really touches on for anybody who's confusing because I'm I also don't know the finer points of it. Um, what is cultural appropriation, what you know, what people find wrong with the overmorning information. Uh, all of that is detailed in this article by Laura Lee Sepsi, and I think it's really worth your time to read it. Mm-hmm. All right, so our final major story today, before we get to some honorable mentions and a bit of a game, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Y'all ever hear about this? What's that? (laughs) We originally discussed the announcement in episode 283. There had been some rumors prior to the official announcement. It had been reported, I think at one point, it was a story about Harry under the stairs, and we were just like, wait, what? I remember a rumor about a Michael Jackson 
Broadway adaptation of the Harry Potter books. Oh um, my god, that's right. <laughs> JK had squashed uh, quite famously. Yeah. So there was talk. It seems like sort of inevitable because it's it would it could be a big money maker for them. The intention to produce a play was announced in December 2013. Now, I have to read this statement. This was posted on J.K. Rowling's official Facebook page. Her official Facebook page. Quote, What was it like to be the boy in the cupboard under the stairs? This brand new play, which will be developed for the UK theater, will explore the previously untold story of Harry's early years as an orphan and outcast. Featuring some of our favorite characters from the Harry Potter books, this new work will offer a unique insight into the heart and mind of the now legendary young wizard. A seemingly ordinary boy, but one for whom destiny has plans. Capital D on destiny. So the first half of that statement is very wrong compared to the final product. The second half, I think you could argue, yeah. was what Cursed Child came to be. You know, it was an exploration exploration of Harry, in part. Yeah. It's bizarre to me that they released the first half of that statement when... Evidently, there was still a chance that they were going to scrap that idea. What was well, it nothing... like to be the boy under the cupboard, in the cupboard yeah. under the that, that is a pretty different. That t- says that it's all about Harry and not about Harry as a parent or Harry's kid falling yeah. in love with a, another Slytherin boy. And none of that is in this. <laughs> and we know what was it like falling in, in love with a Slytherin boy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. What What surprises me about this, though, too, is that she would give anything related to Harry to somebody else to be able to write. I think in interviews now, again, this could be PR talk. I think she, she said she was very moved by the story. And I think Jack Thorne and John Tiffany had a deep understanding of Harry Potter and seemed to really care. And I have no doubt that they do, but yeah, things did change a lot. And it was surprising to see JK Rowling let go in this way because remember too, this was marketed as the eighth, eighth story and Rowling said herself, it's canon. Yeah. It is quite a departure though from her earlier statements about not being able to relinquish Newt's story to another writer. Yeah, exactly. It's a good point. It's a good point. Thank you, Laura. Maybe she was like, I already got Fantastic Beasts. I can't do this play too. Somebody please take it. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think the play, the production is amazing. I think the story is, is, there's a lot left to be desired. (laughs) So that's why it surprised me. Yeah, I've seen the Melbourne production, which was also, like, as Mark has said, like the, the staging is incredible. And to me, the story is just a backdrop for watching a lot of cool stuff happen on stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So a year and a half later, Rowling announced that due to the epic nature of the story, the play would be in two parts. That was shocking as well. This doesn't really happen. It's happened a couple of times, but it's very rare. And I think immediately we had questions about, will we see both parts in the same day? How much your ticket's going to cost, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, another big part of The Cursed Child, we found out that Hermione was going to be played by a black woman. Uh, She was first played by Noma Dumasweni. That was a huge deal. And thank you to one of our listeners, Alyssa, for reminding us uh, to include this. Obviously, Hermione is white in the movies. Uh, Is she white or black in the books? That's up for debate. Rowling kind of left that open, especially after uh, Noma was cast. Uh, She did tweet about this that she did leave it open in the books. 
it was a really great moment for representation in the Harry Potter books. Yeah. Some people complained. I choose not to think about those people. And <laughs> Nomo was amazing. And also worth noting that every Hermione since in The Cursed Child has also been a black woman. I love so, it. Yeah. Yeah, this was incredibly affirming for a lot of fan creators who for quite some time mm. in their fan art had been depicting Hermione as black um, or a woman of color. So this was a really big moment and I think also shows that the Harry Potter characters can come from any background and the story is still the story that we love. And I thought that actually J.K. Rowling, even though I don't, it, it's it's hard to speak fondly about J.K. Rowling nowadays, but I really appreciated the tweet that she put out basically saying like, hey, the canon description of Hermione is she has uh, brown eyes and brown bushy hair. And that's it. That could apply to a lot of different people. It was a great day for the fandom. And then remember, too, we were also very concerned that a lot of people would not be able to see the show because at the time it was only in London. That shuts out most of the world. It's very expensive to get over there. A lot of time, et cetera, et cetera. So in February 2016, they announced that the script book would be published the day after the show uh, went into previews. That was great news. Some people weren't surprised. I was surprised. I thought I didn't think the script book would be released that quickly. Kind of backfired because if you read the script, it seems like a mess. Like Andy said, the visuals and Eric said, and we've all said, except for Laura, Laura hasn't seen it yet, mm. that the visuals being there, it's a show. You're there to see it. It's really amazing. It doesn't translate to a script book. No, even though it I, translated I, the other way around. <laughs> right. And I think it would translate to a movie, though. I think if they filmed a performance, yeah. it would very much translate just fine. I think we'll see that at some point. Yeah. Might be a while, but I think I remember at the time a lot of people having confusion about the stage dialogue as well. Like I can remember there being an FAQ post somewhere about someone having to clarify what the word beat meant. Why is, why is it say beat after every piece of dialogue? Like I think a lot of people oh, were expecting yeah. to read a novel. Because of the media. Oh, yeah, and they were reading game. stage directions. Yeah. So it was Yeah. It was interesting. You got used to huh. it quickly, but Yeah. But that type of format is not for everybody. It, you right. know, that book, again, the eighth story. Every single Harry Potter fan is going to read that. And if they're given a script, they're like, What is this? I don't work in Hollywood. I don't know what this what this But do you is. do you also feel like this script book opened the door for the Fantastic Beasts script books to be yeah. mass produced the way that they have. Because I would even say that's a bigger deal because you know, if those books are essentially available as soon as the movie is in theaters, that's another spoiler opportunity for people because all you have to do is pick up the book and read it, and you could spoil the movie for plenty of people. And we know they want to sell as many books and products as possible. And the script book, the Fantastic Beast script book, was kind of low-hanging fruit. I I don't like that they release those. I don't get the point, though. Like, I, yeah, that's why I was wondering if Cursed Child kind of set the trend in motion. I think the point is that Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter books, is writing this. But you can't see her writing. You can't read her writing. So here's the script. Yeah, book. I see. Right. 
it'd be more interesting. We've spoken about this before. If like deleted scenes were in it. And other information that is definitely in the real script. But we get this. That's what this. Yeah. Version that that actually made the movie. That, yeah, that's that what was the final the cut most. of the movie. That's what bothers me the most. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a shooting script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so those are the most shocking moments, but we actually have a couple more. These are honorable mentions. We can kind of get through these quickly. Um, we already mentioned this one in part one, February 2014. Rowling said she regretted Ron and Hermione. Of course, June 2020, Rowling's transphobic comments really tore up the fandom and hurt a lot of people. Uh, one of our listeners, Katie, wanted to mention, wanted us to mention Evanesco. <laughs> The thing was, that spell had existed, but Pottermore brought attention to it in a tweet. And then, as Twitter does, they take things and run with it. So that blew up a couple years ago. This is a good one from Olivia, Wizards Unite 2019. Actually, I think we just passed the two-year anniversary. That was a big deal because Pokemon Go was so big when they announced Wizards Unite. We were like, wow, we're getting our own version of Pokemon Go. We're so lucky. I was addicted to it. I think everybody here was addicted to Wizards Unite. Yeah. Like all games, you stop playing it over time. So I can't I can't really fault them for us not playing it anymore. Yeah. Andy, one, did you play it? Yeah. A kind of interesting point about that as well is that Wizards Unite actually debuted in Australia and New Zealand first. So we oh, got a, a right. beta version yeah. and I got to write a review and play it for a couple of months before it was publicly released. So yeah, that's always kind of has a special place for me. That's, nice. that's awesome. I miss being obsessed with Wizards Unite and Pokemon Go. Aww. Start back up right now. Yeah. And everything should still be accessible to you because of COVID. So, like, you don't really have to leave your house. You don't have to walk around. Yeah. But uh, I still remember catching that Mr. Mime when I was in Ireland. It was, it was so rewarding. <laughs> I was being in England. The last day of my trip, I was like, I still haven't found a Mr. Mime. Found him in the hotel room. Yes. I can leave London what, now. <laughs> what is it you have? What's in Australia? Is it um, Kangaskhan? Yeah, I'm not sure my, my Pokemon lore is quite what it was. <laughs> I think that's we have right. Pokemon? <laughs> Along those lines, though, too, um, the video game, I think, I know it's not coming out till next year, right? But that's going to be a pretty big deal because it's an open world type of game. We've never really truly had that before. So once it... Yeah, the, the, the premise is certainly surprising. Yeah. I loaded up Wizards Unite. Nothing near me. You said I didn't have to walk. I'm also in a kind of remote area, so that might be why. Do you need me to send you something? Yes, please. I'm so lonely out here. September 2012, the casual vacancy. Thank you to Katie for bringing this one up. We spoke about it earlier. Um, <laughs> Katie said, we were wondering at the time after reading it, is J.K. Rowling only writing sad adult novels from now on? <laughs> <laughs> People yeah. were scared. It was really shocking to to read through and be like, oh, you know, just how different it was from our expectations of what J.K. Rowling would be interested in writing about. And we're just like, oh, wow, this is like, this is sad. <laughs> it's yeah. it's extremely well written, though. It's just a very yeah. different type of novel. Yeah. But I mean, getting that and Rowling put her name on it. This is not, you know, the Cormoran Strike series. This is not a pseudonym it came out, probably sold as many copies as one of the lesser selling Harry Potter books because everybody was interested in reading it. And it happened. 
And then finally, from Stephanie, the Patronus quiz, which we spoke about earlier. And I, this is a good one. Dan Radcliffe reading the first chapter of the first Harry Potter book out loud in last year's Stay at Home read along. That was a big surprise because Dan Radcliffe has always since Deathly Hallows Part 2, kept himself separated from Harry Potter, trying to get away from being the Harry Potter kid. And I feel like this is one of the very few times he's gotten involved in an official capacity again. Do you think he regrets that now? Because shortly after he did that... It was poor timing. Yeah. Not his fault, but... Well, yeah, no, he, of he, not. he issued a statement uh, coming out against Rowling and... uh Supporting the Trevor Project, which he has done for a very long time. Very good organization based in L.A., helping LGBTQ plus youth. And then we actually did want to also mention that we have lost several actors from the Harry Potter film series over the years. Micah, do you want to touch on those? Yeah. um, You know, first off would be Richard Harris, who unfortunately passed away during the the filming of the series. was able to film as Dumbledore in both Sorcerer's Stone and, and Chamber of Secrets, but obviously he started out that role as as the whimsical Dumbledore and, and Michael Gambon took over and I think changed Dumbledore a little bit, but we all kind of grew to to love him as well in that role by the time the series was out. Um but that that was obviously very sad. I would say the one that probably devastated most people was the passing of of Alan Rickman um, a couple of years ago. And, and it was just so unexpected. Nobody really had a clue, uh, in terms of what he was battling. And, and I think that just took us all really by surprise. And, and it was one of those moments where I think the, the entire fan community just kind of took a collective gasp. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was still in his sixties, you know, he wasn't yet 70 and, and it's, you know, gone soon and such a beloved, guy yeah both I was, in the characters that he created i was looking at that and i was surprised like he was just about to turn 70 and and richard harris was only 72 when he passed away and that and just the how close they were in, in age in terms of when they passed just surprised me i wouldn't have th- thought alan rickman was that old mm. um but certainly somebody who passed away very young just a couple weeks ago um from cancer was helen mccrory who played narcissa malfoy and again, I think that was another one of those moments that kind of took us all by surprise. I know it was it was a situation that she kept very private, and but certainly uh, devastating as well. Um, and then over the years, I mean, John Hurt um, played Ollivander, Richard Griffiths, uh, who unfortunately had passed away following heart surgery, who played Vernon Dursley, um, Robert Hardy, who played Cornelius Fudge. Roger Lloyd Pack, who played Barty Crouch Sr. And then this was a, a kind of a very odd story around uh, David Legeno, who played Fenrir Greyback. He actually was fairly young too. I think he was only in his early 50s. He was traveling with his family in, in like Arizona and died from something related to heat exhaustion, I think it was. I think he was yeah. hiking solo in Death Valley, California. Yeah. California, yeah. I'm sorry. You're Death right. Death Valley. Um, but that was... Again, like all of these, and then you know um, Robert Knox, who played Marcus Belby, um, died tragically, very very young. So, you know, these are you know certainly um, tough stories to to talk about. Um, 
but we obviously celebrate all of them because they played such a pivotal role in one way or another uh, in the Harry Potter series. The one good thing about sort of this in memoriam that we're talking about is I learned something new about Alan Rickman, which is that he kept diaries for uh, 25 years of his life that are going to be published into a book. Oh, wow. wow. And I'm just reading this article. This is from last November, November 2020. Uh, and it says Rickman's diaries have been described by their editor as anecdotal, indiscreet, witty, gossipy, and utterly candid. Uh, <laughs> so. And I imagine. Might- in yeah. case anyone's wondering, he probably gave his blessing to those being published before he passed. Otherwise, that would be not appropriate. Yeah. But yeah, but but no, really, the this might end up being one of our newest, most shocking stories is the tales he tells for, you know, I bet there's some good this, Potter ones. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, a heck of a thing. That concludes this discussion. But we do have a bit of a predicting the future game. Micah, you came up with this. Yeah. So. You know, in the past, and this ties into a lot of what we've talked about over the course of this, you know, these last two episodes, things like a theme park, a Broadway show, another film series, a television show. I feel like they were all talked about in the, yeah, it's a great idea, but it'll never happen category. But we all know that those things have come true. And, you know, the TV show is something I think that it's all but a certainty at this point, but certainly the theme park, the Broadway show, Fantastic Beasts, it's all happened. So I wanted to know what's one crazy Potter idea we haven't talked about that we think is a real possibility for the future. Well, in order to take this, uh, you know, sort of prompt with the amount of seriousness that I think it deserves. I have to look back at what the original successor to Harry Potter was in Twilight. You know, Twilight being published and it was really supposed to be the next Harry Potter series. And I think really gained a lot of popularity as being, uh, you know, young adult fantasy literature. And so looking at sort of what Twilight has done gave me the idea for what I think Harry Potter could do. And just to predict the future here, Stephanie Meyer wrote a book called Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined, which is the story of the first Twilight book, but with, and this is different than Midnight Sun, which is from Edward's perspective. It's the story of the first book with it from Edward's perspective. This is gender swapped Bella and Edward to where it's Beau Swan, who's bitten by and, and converted by Edith. Colin. Andrew, have you read this book? I haven't even... I bought it on release day. By the way, it came out the same day Sorcerer's Stone Illustrated Edition came out. Yeah, so I walked out of Barnes & Noble with that and Life and Death. (laughs) But you were doing a podcast episode on the one book and not on the other, so you never opened it, right? Right. I may have flipped through it a little bit. And by the way, not just Edward Edward and Bella were gender flipped. Every single character in the Twilight story oh, was really? gender flipped. Yep. There were some very interesting names in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The names are probably just as bad as any of Rowling's names. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, like a fully gender bent Harry Potter. Can you imagine like the trio is two girls and a boy, Um, you know, like the Hogwarts professors. 
there are so few female characters in Harry Potter. Wouldn't it be nuts if they're like mostly women now? Honestly, um, it sounds really stupid. interesting yeah. to me. <laughs> so I want to see it. Uh, and I think it would be the perfect thing that Rowling would try to do to take some steam off uh, her recent comments. But I, I don't know that it would be successful. But I'd, I'd be interested in seeing it. And especially if um, if Stephanie Meyer did it and proved that it could be done, then why not that as in Harry Potter? And apparently received well because it has a four and a half star average on Amazon with 6,700 reviews. So people really did like it. I think they liked that better than Midnight Sun in the end. I think Midnight Sun was pretty well received. Mm. I read an article just about how cringy it was. (laughs) Uh, Well, that's every Twilight book. That's true. That's true. If you go into that knowing it's cringy, you'll love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sort of thinking about taking the cursed child concept a step further, I would love to see other writers be able to play in the Wizarding World sandbox and publish written work that is considered to be canon. Um, So I'm thinking that could be anything from novels to short stories to comic books. I think that they're is a lot of room to continue expanding the universe in this way and allow other authors into the space to kind of ideate. Um, Because clearly, this world would benefit from a more diverse group of people helping to build it. And I think it would help mitigate some of the uh, earlier um, cultural cultural appropriation that happened with the development of the American wizarding world. Absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 like it. I think this must happen uh, in order to save Potter. Otherwise it will just be regarded as this sort of outdated, you know, not inclusive property. Mm-hmm. So I've gone for something a little bit left of field. So many, many, many years after uh, Victor Hugo's famous French novel Les Miserables was published. It was actually turned into a French concept album, um, and that concept album then eventually became a Broadway musical. So I'm thinking the trajectory might be Harry Potter concept album, and then eventually we get a musical. This is the first I'm hearing about this sort of yeah. origin story of Les Mis the musical. Mm, it's on Apple That's really Music. cool. It's, a, it's like a 10-track kind of thing. It's pretty cool. It's like a genesis huh. of a lot of the songs are there. Yeah, is it some of the like the same themes that you'd recognize? Yeah, just in the kind of like pop rock song format. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah, I think it's doable. I mean, look at some of the musicals that have gotten so popular in recent history. I mean, we have Hamilton where we're basically turning, you know, early American history into a hip hop musical. <laughs> so why not? Mm hmm. So this we haven't spoken about today, really. Um, A true prequel or sequel published in book form, old school, Harry Potter 1 through 7, old school. Not a play, not a film, back to basics. I just feel like Rowling will at some point be itching to write a Harry Potter book again. And when you look at how, you know, oh, I'm not going to do a prequel, I won't do sequels, then suddenly we have Fantastic Beasts and Cursed Child. I feel like it's inevitable for there to be another Harry Potter book, not an encyclopedia, but another story, another piece of fiction. Um, 
And of course, people would eat this up. I know the big one that everybody wants is the Marauders, but it really seems like Rowling does not want to do that for some reason. I don't particularly understand that, but I, I think she's been asked a couple of times and she's like, I know what people want and I'm not giving you that. <laughs> 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 but all it takes is for an idea to strike her and suddenly it's happening. It's basically what happened with Fantastic Beasts. So um, I, I feel like a true pre- prequel or sequel is inevitable and it'll be very exciting when it does happen for those who aren't checked out on rolling for Harry Potter. I went with expanding more of the, the physical world kind of going off the whole theme park vibe. Uh, and thanks to I believe it was Greta mentioning this during our slug, slug club hangout yesterday, but a Hogwarts hotel. I, I think this is just an inevitability if we see that um you know Star Wars has gone down that road mm-hmm. i think it's just a destination that people are going to want to go to and get that kind of full experience of what it's like to stay at Hogwarts and maybe it's tied to the theme park it it would make sense uh, it's something i think that universal should look into and warner brothers if they haven't already but uh, yeah, to me, this is something that's just a no-brainer and an, and an easy win for for them if they're you know looking to kind of cash in even more than they already have. There have been rumors, and I feel like this will happen, especially with Disney doing their own Star Wars one. It's all about immersive experiences, and that would be extremely immersive. Yep. One other thing that came to mind too, aside from the hotel, was I wonder if at some point, and I don't know where it would be, but I feel like a statue is inevitable. I don't know if it's a statue, <laughs> a statue? Of, of Harry Potter, a statue. That's actually a really good point. It could be of J.K. Like, Rowling. I know that's a little controversial now, but it's so random. No, I, but yeah, great works of literature are often represented in stat- like there's a statue of Peter Pan in one of the parks in London, like, you know, author J.M. Barrie and Peter Pan. It's just so iconic. We would be honored with the statue. I think that's exactly right. I think that will absolutely happen at some point. And the big reveal would be a huge, like, it'll be bigger than the actors getting their hands on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Like, Well, they would do that in, like, Rowling's hometown, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so that concludes our discussion today. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this two-part discussion, maybe our first ever two-part discussion. If you have any feedback, you can email mugglecast at gmail.com or go to mugglecast.com and use the contact form. You can also call us. We are 192033Muggle. That's 192036844453. You can also record a voice memo using the voice memo app on your phone and email that to mugglecast at gmail.com. Please try to record or call us in a quiet environment and keep your message no longer than a minute, please. Okay, it's time for Quizage. Part two. Yes, we did not have a question last week, so no winners' names to read. However, next week's question is, who portrayed the character of Barry Fairbrother on the BBC series adaptation of J.K. Rowling's The Casual Vacancy? I thought I'd give some love to those TV adaptations. Is it a Potter actor? Uh, No. It is a British actor. Okay. Okay. Oh, somebody is saying that there is a Harry Potter statue in Leicester Square. Oh, you know what? 
I think I remember hearing about that. At least in his broom. Kingston. Leicester Square is right where the Odeon is. That doesn't yeah. get enough publicity. Many Harry Potter premieres have been hosted there. All right. Well, that person wins Quizage. Whoever said that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let us know it was you. And uh, <laughs> submit your answer to the MuggleCast website, mugglecast.com slash Quizage. That was King Stag. Thank you, King Stag. Thank you, king Stag, you're a king. I think that only went up in the past year or two couple of reminders make sure you are following mugglecast for free in whatever app you use to listen so that you never miss an episode you can also follow us on social media we are mugglecast on twitter facebook instagram and youtube and finally we would love your support at patreon.com slash mugglecast that's the reason why we are a weekly podcast it's all because of you Thank you very much for your support. It lets us spend more time on the show and grow the show. So we appreciate that very much. We also appreciate Andy for being on the show today. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. It's been fun going down memory lane. Yeah, right. And extra thank you for recording on a Friday morning, your time, and for doing two episodes with us. We appreciate all your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you on again in the future. And it was great getting your expertise. Let us know what's going on at Movie World Australia mm, and start uh, yeah. petitioning for <laughs> Harry Potter land. We'll fly out the Savo and find out. Visit <laughs> potternomore.com. Yes. For all of Andy's latest. We'll redirect to harrypotterfanzone.com. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. I'm Maura. And I'm Andy. Bye, everyone. Bye, y'all. Bye.